Welcome to the Rainy Leadership Podcast, where we do a deep dive into company culture. Rainy is a car dealership located throughout South Georgia, and we are striving to be the best car company by first being the best care company. And one way that we do that is every week we meet and talk about company culture. Today, we're going to be diving into the book, Culture Rules by Mark Miller. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for being here. Uh, We are continuing our journey through Mark Miller's Culture Rules book. And we will actually be looking at the first rule today. But is there a, we, we know the three rules, aspire, amplify, and adapt. We've already looked at those briefly. We're going to cover them in great detail going forward. But is there, so those are the three rules, but is there another implication in the title of the book? Culture rules. You know, like if uh, in, you know, our, our country, for instance, uh, we have a person who is in the office of the President of the United States for four years, Joe Biden. So he is the supreme ruler in British days, or in there, there were kings. They ruled. But what rules in the business environment is the culture. It's not strategy. It's not spreadsheets, thank God. Uh, (laughs) Right, Bennett? Uh, It is the culture of the company. And listen, that is, as we've already seen some of this uh, in the book, and this will continue, but the The culture of a company is more important than the pay scale of the employees. That matters more. The culture matters more than what you get paid to people. That's what the studies show. I didn't make that up. Bob didn't put that out there. That's really the truth. Because your work environment is going to affect a lot of your life, not just what's in the bank, but it's going to affect your entire life. And if you are in a toxic culture, it can be devastating. It can, it can affect every other relationship in your life. So what we do in this company as a culture matters. That's the reason that we're doing this. That's the reason that Bob is allowing us to be here today to study this book. And he's actually going to be teaching it for the next two weeks because I'll be out of town. And, um, oh, goodness, i got a bottle of water here. But I want to... Um, show you my handiwork today. You know, one of Bob's <clears throat> favorite quotes is by Warren Buffett, and he talks about, this was something I posted last week about, if we're not careful, our businesses will lose their competitive edge, and if we are, uh, two things, Vicki, you remember them? Oh, she got choked on me. <clears throat> Uh, the two things, the two things that can cause your uh, a, a business to wither, to treat customers with indifference, tolerate bloat. So, I actually went to Walmart and I bought a plant. I even listen. I have a brown thumb. I want to tell y'all, I can kill anything that's green. I can take a very expensive tree and plant it in my backyard and put a sprinkler system around it and it still die. It's happened. So I got this plant 
and I bought some miracle Grow, And I thought, surely this thing will thrive because I'm going to shoot some miracle Grow to it. I'm going to water it. I'm going to put it in. I put it in the kitchen in there. I even wrote, do not touch. I hated to write that, but I said, do not touch. Or please do not. I said, please do not touch. So I put it over there, and I, get, I bought another one. And I put it under a table over here in the corner. And I wanted you to see what happens when one is taken care of and the other is not. Now, I got to tell you, I was a little bit disappointed in my <clears throat> skills of getting this one to look really great because it actually looked better when I bought it than it does right now. <laughs> so it might not be going exactly the way that I want to, but I didn't know how the other one looked till I got here this morning. And I pulled it out and I want to show that one to you. Because it's had nothing. Well, we're just a few days in now. You know, it's, uh, but you know, there still are some flowers on there, and those are new, by the way. So my, I'm hoping that my plan works, that, that that rascal over there thrives. Now, Christy, I might have to get you to water that, because I'll be gone for the next two weeks, but um, so we can have somebody who's got some, or does anybody have a green thumb? You do? Okay. Can I give you this, and you take care of it for the next two weeks? And I'm just going to put that one under the table, and I want you to see what happens because if, that, if one plant gets the care that it needs, it's going to thrive. If it gets the right elements, right? If the other one does not, we figure it's going to go kind of the way it's already going. It's going to get worse. But I just wanted that to be a little visual for, for you because in this company, there are a lot of things that can do this to us on a daily basis, daily basis. and a lot of things that can do this. Um, aspire is rule number one. Aspire. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean? Anybody? Yeah. It's a hope of achievement, of a future. Yeah. So our, what is our aspiration, individually and even as a company? Um, the subheading here is on page 31, if you got your book. <clears throat> Share your hopes and dreams for the culture. Share your hopes and dreams for the culture. <clears throat> what kind of work environment do we want rainy used cars to be? Do we want to hate coming to work every day? Do we want to be at odds with the people in our office or that we come into contact with every day? That makes us want to clock out and go home, doesn't it? Makes us miserable. And um, so the relationships within a company are very, very important. Um, I was just talking with John this morning. Thank you, John, by the way. Y'all thank John for going and getting the Chick-fil-A breakfast this morning. <clears throat> You know how long it took Truett Kathy to get people to say my pleasure? Ten. Ten years, two words to get it adopted into the culture. But you know what? It's there now. And that's the way people act, or most people act. I'm sure there's probably a few little cards in the, in the mix at different Chick-fil-A's that, you know, I can say my pleasure, but I don't mean my pleasure. You know, just like you can say thank you, but you really are not thanking them. You just said the words, you know. So, but for it to be... If for, for the culture to be vibrant and magnetic and thriving to really cause people to 
go above and beyond, day in and day out, it means that there, there has to be a dream. And I, 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 when, I, when I started, I started at, at Rainey, I, I started as the service manager, which is what John is doing now. And tell me a little bit about what you just, you shared a little more when we talked just a few minutes ago about comparing where the service department is with Chick-fil-A. Will you share as best you can? That, I mean, that's just kind of in my mind, at least for when customers are first greeted at the service center. That's, that's kind of in my mind what, what I would aspire to yeah. happen there. Right. Either instantly greeted with a smile, you know, right. how their attitude doesn't affect yeah. Our attitude. We, yeah. We have the standards we have to just stay there. Right. Yeah. I I have I have that dream too. I mean I, I did when I was a service manager and I do even now because um I, I've said this to pretty much every person that I've hired. I want you to want to come to work. I want you to want to be here. I want this to be the best part of your day. Is it work? Yes. Sandra, is what we do over there work? Yeah, it's, it's, it's intense sometimes. All there is what you do over there in the collection department. Is it work? <laughs> is it intense? Yeah. Uh, some heavy-duty industrialized conversations, right? And so, um, but you, you, if you enjoy, enjoy what you do and you enjoy your environment, enjoy being able to help people, that, that resonates, that sticks. Um, but a, a, a healthy culture is one who uh, is, is a culture that um, has intentionality to it. It is not accidental. It's just not left to happenstance. Um, just like the elements that are required. Now, this plant can't talk to me. <clears throat> I can talk to it. I'm not sure if that does any good. They say it does. I haven't tried that yet. Maybe that's the problem. <clears throat> but uh, listen, Vicki, do you talk to plants? Do. do you really? Okay, well, good. Uh, well, I'll start trying that. Let me see how you do in two weeks. <laughs> and I'll start. You tell me some of the key phrases to use, and I'll use them, buddy, because listen, I want that one on the left right there. I want that joker to be five feet tall when I get back. I mean, I do, and I want that little fellow over there. We keep sliding under the desk over there. I hope he just withers down to nothing. So you can see that there is a difference, and it matters what you do. Every interaction, every conversation, it matters. Every phone call. It matters what you do. And so, um, aspire. Share your hopes and dreams. Any of y'all have any dreams when y'all were younger? Any of y'all have any dreams now? They're a lot different now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, for instance, when you were younger, guys. Okay, Tyler. <laughs> Tell me one of your dreams when you were, say, 18 years old. Okay, graduate high school. Okay. All right. Anything else? Anybody else? Anybody Eight, 18 dream? Get married. Get married? Wow. When I, I was 18, I wanted to graduate high school because I was struggling. And, uh, and they, let it, they let me into college on a trial basis so we can keep an eye on you. <laughs> and uh, I finally graduated and they said, thank you, Jesus, he's gone. But, um, you know, uh, but I remember one of the, the, as a younger man, one of the things that, Bailey, I kind of line up with what you said. Man, I wanted to get married. I wanted to find a, I wanted to find a beautiful wife. I mean, I, want, I wanted a brick house. You know, the brick house, 36. <laughs> and listen, I met her. I mean, listen, I'm being honest, you know. I didn't want a bag of rocks to get married to, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, I had a dream. Listen, 
But listen, I've been married 36 years, and uh, I love my wife more now than I did when I met her. I met her on the floor of the Atlanta Omni. She was so beautiful, I couldn't even talk to her. I was scared to death. It took me days to even have a conversation with her. I had to pray. I mean, listen, I had to pray, really, so I would have the courage to go up and speak to her. That's how crazy beautiful she was. And she's still beautiful to me. She might not think so, but she still is to me. And, uh, but that dream came true. Uh, I can tell you a whole lot more detail about that, but I won't bore you with all that. But all of us have dreams. Well, listen, I have a dream for this company, and Bob does too. I want it to be more than just when you clock in and clock out. I want it to be something that you're, you know, uh, already when you, when you got, get out there to Vegas, you know, the next time you go, and you go all in. And you put, listen, I've never, I've never done that on a, a betting thing. But that's, that's got to be some kind of, have you ever done that? Okay. I would think that would be a unique experience. So when you, listen, you take all that you got on the table and you put it, up, put it out there and say, okay. You played on it, right? Yeah, I was just telling her I was like, yeah, I did that. Oh, you did? Okay. Until it just didn't come back. It didn't come back, okay. All right. But that's quite an experience, isn't it? But I want people to be all in in the culture. Because what we do with in, in our relationships with each other, it matters, you guys. It matters how do we treat each other. Listen, I was a pastor for 25 years, and they kicked me out. I'm just kidding. Um, Mike's, a, Mike's still a pastor. He actually spoke at Bind this week. Uh, I actually watched it. Great message, by the way. And, um, you know, um, the, the dream that I have for this company is for us to for the service department. Listen, I, I don't think Chick-fil-A is, is the, I mean, it's a great standard, but I want it to be better than that. I want it to be where really people aren't just using two fancy words that are put together decades ago of saying my pleasure, but I really want it to be for everyone that's working, working over there, for, everyone, for it to be our pleasure to serve other people because the greatest people are the people who serve the people who serve. And we are serving our customers. We are serving each other. We are helping each other. Listen, sometimes we're going through stuff. we got difficulties. Listen, I'm not a robot. Look at me. AI, I am not. Um, nobody here is a robot. We have feelings. we got emotions. we got struggles. And sometimes it's the smallest of things that we do or say that can make all the difference in the world. I've shared some things in the past already. Just quick conversation. Jody and I have been struggling to find a church uh, since we moved from Tifton over to take care of my mother and father-in-law and Camilla. And uh, so we've been visiting. <laughs> and uh, this is what I was going to say that I forgot just a minute ago. When you walk in a, a church sanctuary, people are watching you. First, they want to know if you're going to get in their seat. <laughs> you know what I mean? Don't sit there, huh? Because huh? you probably already got the parking Yeah, I probably got the parking this The church that we remember of, this happened. I went to a Sunday school class. We, we were sitting around a table like this. There's a few of us. And so my wife and I, we got there early. We sat down at the table. Listen, you can ask God about this when you get to heaven. It really is true. We sat on this side. The teacher sat there, and there's a couple that sat across over there. And uh, at the end of the lesson, they're wanting to kind of find out a little bit more about us, you know. We haven't joined the church yet. And uh, 
the couple sitting right across, like, I'm sitting here, why sitting here? And uh, she's sitting like right across. She said, yeah, uh, we're glad you came today, but you're sitting in our seat. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And a group of about 12 people. So guess what? We went back next week and sat in the same chair. No, we didn't. We didn't even go back. We didn't even go back. That said a lot about the culture of that class. I mean, listen, it was a great Sunday school class, but I didn't want to go. I'd already, I'd already upset two apparently very important people because they got in their seat. Listen, little stuff sometimes sticks. And uh, but do you ever feel judged when you go into church? Boy, I tell you, we're, you know, they're judging what kind of clothes. And listen. I do the same thing because I'm looking at them. They're looking at me, and I'm looking at them. I'm saying, hmm, I wonder what they're all about. <laughs> That's just how we are. But in relating to each other and caring about each other, um, man, it, a culture thing can't be, listen, we can go through this book, we can memorize this book. But care, which is what we're about, has to be from the heart. It has to be real. It can't be just a couple of nice little quotations you got down pat. Uh, if culture is going to rule, it's got to rule first right here. And then it resonates outward. Um, I just got way off target. And I said I was going to get through quickly. And I just lied to y'all. <laughs> You didn't I ain't even got a slide to it. It's eight thirty, so I'm just gonna skip that one. I want y'all to look at um, some interesting things about Ford Motor Company. Um, Ford Motor Company was started in 1903 by a gentleman by the name of Henry Ford. And uh, hey, Candy, come on in. <clears throat> hey, there's uh, orange juice over there, bottle of water. If you want something to drink, so. Help yourself, and you can go ahead and eat while I'm talking. I won't ask you any questions while you're chewing, <laughs> but we'll later probably. Um, 1903, Henry Ford started the Ford Motor Company. Um, assembly line was created. Uh, it used to take them 12.5 hours to produce one vehicle. You know what they got it down to? One hour and 33 minutes. Is that up there? Yeah, it's up there. Okay. One hour and 33 minutes. Man, that's a lot of difference. They double people's pay. Um, they uh, started a profit sharing plan. And the ceiling for vehicle production by the, the one they thought was like, you can't get past this, was 300,000. You could not produce, no matter what you did, more than 300,000 vehicles in a year. They got to a million cars. Man, they were a grand success. They, they catapulted. I mean, listen, Model T's everywhere. And you know what? Henry Ford said, listen, you can get a Model T in any car you want as long as it's black. <laughs> because black paint dries fast. It was all about production. Production. If we can put more on the road, if we can put more on the lots, We'll get more on the road. We'll have more customer base. We'll, we'll dominate. And that worked for a while, and then things started changing. Foreign competition, competition from other companies, and guess what? Things changed culturally, and their leadership did not adapt initially. And so let me show you what happened. You already know if you've read. In 2006, 103 years later, 
Ford Motor Company was projected to lose how much? $18 billion. What happened? There was a cultural shift in what was expected by the customers that they did not adapt to. They didn't, they didn't think it mattered. Let's, let's just put a bunch of cars out there. It doesn't matter what customers think about them. Let's just put it out there. It's a way to get to point A to point B. Well, things changed. Economic requirements, uh, I mean, excuse me, um, environmental requirements changed. And so they started seeing a downturn to the point in 2006, $18 billion was projected to be lost. Now, if Bob Rainey walked in here just a few minutes, he said, Audrey, <clears throat> we're going to lose eight, let's, let's just use eight, eight million dollars this year. What would you say? I guess you're sending me home. <laughs> <laughs> we got to make some changes, right? I mean, was that the first time they saw a loss? I don't think so. I don't think so. In other words, this thing was a progression. They started seeing the differences in 1970, but they didn't make any significant changes. They just kind of kept fumbling the ball and just kind of piddle diddling around and not, not addressing what was really going on. And in 2006, $18 billion is fixing to be lost. That's a huge number. That's massive that got their attention. So, Henry Ford, great-grandson, had a genius idea. You know what he did? He hired Alan. I don't know how you say his last name. How do you say his last name? Mullen. Mullen. Okay. okay. We'll call him Alan. He probably doesn't care. Okay. Um, they, Mulally. Okay. Mulally. Thank you. Now, what background did Alan have? He worked at Boeing. <laughs> he, was, he was responsible for building airplanes. And the genius grandson of Henry Ford, great-grandson of Henry Ford, says, okay, it's not, I'm not going to do it anymore. I, it's not on me. Let me get somebody to correct this craziness. And he goes and gets a guy of the aviation profession. Ha! What do you think? Listen, talking about people judging you? What do you think his, his uh, cousins were saying about him? Crazy. You're out of your mind. Have you, have you lost your marbles? You're going to let a guy who's a professional aviation guy come in and run Ford Motor Company? You're crazy. But guess what? It worked. And Ford might have gone out of business had it not. So that was a stroke of genius by him. And I don't know what all he saw. I don't know enough of the detail to know. Maybe some of you do. But um, he saw in this gentleman, Mulally. Did I say it right? Mulally. Mulally. Okay. Thank you, Bennett. <laughs> a pronunciation expert. Uh, I'll always rely on you from now on. So you just be prepared, okay? <laughs> uh, I, listen, I guess I could have Googled it and listened to it, but I never did. So... But more important than the pronunciation of his name is what he did. He changed the culture of the company. 
And <clears throat> did he get rid of everybody that was leaders that were there? Got rid of some people, but the senior leaders, another questionable move he kept. Started having weekly meetings. You would have thought, listen, I am no genius, but you would have thought that leading up to this, they would have thought about having some meetings to talk about stuff, wouldn't you? Because $18 billion just didn't happen like that. I mean, this was a progression. This was going for a while. And then all of a sudden, they said, let's have a meeting and talk about it. <laughs> Doesn't sound like a genius idea, does it, Jeremy? But, it, but that worked. That was part of it. He got these guys together, and they came up with a three-color system. It's another genius idea. You see them every intersection, just about every intersection you go through. It's called a traffic signal. It's got a red light, a yellow light, and a green light. He said, that's how we're going to do our reports on where the status of your projects are. Worldwide Ford was going to be turned around by red light, yellow light, green light. He established that, and they would give a report. And guess what they did when they first started reporting? Everybody was green. Everybody was green. Yeah, that's good. That's what Alan say. What Alan say after after everybody went around? They went around the room. Say, yep, it's green light. We're gonna lose eight million dollars, honey. Green light. Okay. Then we're gonna lose eight million. Green light with your project. Okay. We're gonna lose eight million dollars. Green light with yours. Yeah. Okay. Green light with yours. Green light. You'll get that. Okay. Eight million dollars. We're gonna lose eight. Well, it's $8 million this year. $8 million. Green light, green light, green light, green light. They all said, yep. Green light. <laughs> I am sure that Alan is melting inside because he knows that's not the right answer. So he basically sends him and says, okay. Y'all okay with us losing $18 billion? Come back next week. Let's talk about it again. Came back the next week. And then finally somebody had enough courage to stand up and say, Red light. I am off target and I don't even know how to get back on target. What happened? Applause. Applause, yes. What were they doing? That's kind of in the good to great. Confronting the brutal facts. They were assessing where they were. Being honest about where they, where they were. And um, that was the turning point by which they started the, the turnaround. And in just four years or so, they were in the profit range again. Um, I think I got this on the next slide. Um, maybe, not, maybe it's not right here, but they made, in 2010, they made $6.6 billion. Now, I'm not a mathematician, but that's a pretty good turnaround. <laughs> projected to lose $18 billion in 06, and in 2010, they made $6.6 billion. That aviation guy, <laughs> he might not have known a whole lot about cars, but he knew a lot about culture. He knew how to get people motivated. He knew how people get people on the team. He knew how to, how to get things going in the right direction, and he did. And that's one of the genius things about Bob Brainy is he is a, you know, he, he comes across like, you know, he's a, was he, what does he always call himself? A country boy? Uh, listen, Bob, what's that? Nothing but country boy. <laughs> Bob is extremely intelligent, y'all. I mean, he, he is. He is uh, just like all of, his, all of his children. They're all geniuses, I think. And, uh, but
But he's not only a genius at, in business, he's a genius in relationships. He, he knows how to relate to people. He knows how to care about people. He knows how to invest in people. That's the whole reason this daggum building's here. Because he cares. And he wants it to be more about this, this the job. Sure, we want the business to succeed. But he wants you to succeed on every single level that you possibly can. One of the lessons from the Ford story is this. <clears throat> is without careful, focused attention, great organizations can lose their way. Ford Motor Company, in business over 100 years, was about to lose $18 million. They could have said, well, you know, we had a lot of years in the past when we made money. And if they'd have continued to keep fumbling around, guess what? They'd be out of business. They would be. But they made some changes. They made some cultural changes that turned the company around. Cultures, and I can't remember what page this is on, but it's, a, it's one of the quotes in the book. Cultures, regardless of their strength, must be stewarded by their leaders who must continually adapt to maintain the vitality of that culture. We hope as you listen to this podcast, it'll motivate your team and you guys will play the game, as Mark Miller says in Culture Rules. Thanks again. We'll see you next time.